0: grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine that you were with that group of Christians who celebrated that first Pentecost in Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago. You're gathered together with like-minded Christians 50 days after Easter and waiting for Jesus to pour out His Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, upon you. And then things begin to become a little bit different. In the house where you are gathered, the sound of a rushing, violent wind comes in and little tongues of fire are resting over the heads of each child of God. You speak of God's wonderful works as you have any number of times before, but this time it's in living languages that you have never studied before. As the crowds wonder what is happening and mock those who are sharing alongside with you, the Apostle Peter stands up and explains what is going on that Joel's prophecy is being fulfilled. And the promise stands that anyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Now look at those who are here today. You're gathered with the body of believers 50 days after Easter to celebrate the day of Pentecost. Yet we don't have sound of a loud rushing wind here, nor the sight of sound of fire in any place Speaking only in languages that we have learned, and as far as I know, no specific Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled right now. Indeed, Jesus has poured out His Holy Spirit upon us through the Word and through the sacraments. And He's present in among us, but there's no special sign of His presence. And yet, the promise remains. That anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. When you look at our Pentecost celebration and that of the first one, there are a number of differences, there's also some key similarities, similarities that come to those who are present at Pentecost, to the Christians there together, similarities pointed out to us in our verses this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for there is the source, and yet they're also differently equipped, each of those Christians. The Holy Spirit is the same source for each of those Christians who are gathered together, whether us today or them way back when. And yet we're also differently equipped by Him with our own set of spiritual gifts. From this same source with a different set of equipped gifts, we then can work for the common good of that first Pentecost, for the creation and nourishment of faith through the Word of God. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to the Christians in Corinth who had been set aside because of a number of divisions amongst them. Divisions that were partly fueled by their misuse of the spiritual gifts that the Spirit had given them. So Paul begins his three-chapter treatise on spiritual gifts by laying out the most important gift of all and the foundational one, that of faith. To say that Jesus is Lord and Savior, your Lord and your Savior. The only way that a sinner can make such a confession of faith is by the Holy Spirit. Because when we're born into this world, we inherit the sin of our parents and are entirely dead in our sins, unable to do anything at all. Yet the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us life with his gift of faith. How correct Luther's catechism is to say in summarizing this teaching when it says, that I believe that I cannot by my own thinking or choosing believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. It's the Spirit who is the source of us having faith. The source for each and every Christian that's out there and he's also the source for the life that comes from faith. We heard the Apostle Paul describe how there are various kinds of gifts, ministries, and activity. These gifts refer to those character, uh, those uh, abilities and those qualities that God has given us so we may serve Him and our neighbor. These ministries refer to the public services that we offer to one another, whether it's in the name of our church, in our own personal lives, or by simply being a good neighbor. And those activities refer to the general capacity that we have to do just about anything that is God-pleasing. From where do we get our various kinds of gifts, ministries, and activity? From the same source as our faith. Our triune God. Whether it's us here today at Grace Tucson. Or the Christians gathered together in Jerusalem for that first Pentecost. However... When you hear how the Spirit is the same source for all Christians for their faith and resultant life of faith, would you hold to that? Do you clearly confess that? Maybe you get tripped up when the question comes up, how did you become a Christian? We know what the answer should be to say what the Bible says. It's because of the Spirit and Him alone who ripped me from the clutches of the sin I was born into, who gave me life, and He gets all the credit for that. But perhaps we answer as others wrongly do. That it was we who had some part in it because we, we fanned the fame, the spark of goodness within us. Or how we open ourselves up to God so He could then come in and make us His child. Or perhaps we say we did it all because it was us who accepted that invitation to become his child, and we brought ourselves to God. Any answer that gives the credit to anyone besides the Spirit, not only is going against what the Bible clearly teaches, but also denies the same source that we all have, and it's the Spirit and him alone who brings us to faith. Or consider the resultant life you know I have because you are a Christian, because of your faith, your various kinds of gifts, ministries, and activity. Where did they come from? Weren't they in part formed by your parents, your friends, your role models who had a hand in shaping you during your formative years? Wasn't it because of organizations like Grace or someone else who gave you the opportunity to serve in a way that you never could on your own? Isn't it yourself who was willing to do such things in the first place? While there are many other variables in play, the nature and the nurture that we have does not provide where our resultant life has come from. Rather, that comes from the Spirit who gives us his gifts and gives us our abilities to serve him as he alone can with the faith that he alone brings to us. Yet so often we fail to think of or to think our triune God, the source of all that we have before Christ. See, the Spirit, even though we fail to give him the credit he's due for our faith and resultant life, it doesn't mean that he holds out on us. Or that he just walks away. Rather, he remains that source for each and every Christian. Just as it was for the Christians way back when, so it is for us. And with the faith that he alone brings, also comes the fruition of that promise that Peter gave to that Pentecost crowd. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what, you ask? Safe from the guilt and punishment of our sins. Because they have been forgiven, washed away in the blood of, the, of, of our Christ, and replaced with his own righteousness. Because of the spirit and the faith that he gives to us, we are now a child of God, so that we can say that God the Father is our Father, and that his Son is our Savior and our brother, who lived in our place who died on the cross, who rose victorious from the grave and who has poured out his spirit upon us today. And like a good and perfect brother, Jesus shares his blessings with us, his siblings. The death in the grave was your death that you should have paid. The victory from the grave is now your victory. The spirit that he has is now yours through the gift of faith in his home in heaven. That's waiting for you, because that's the family home for every Christian and child of God. It's the Spirit who gives us our faith, and he's also the same source for all that comes from our faith as he equips us differently so that we may serve our Lord as we alone are set to do so. When you hear spiritual gifts, think of it this way as those qualities and abilities that God has given us to serve him and our neighbor. And there's a lot of examples of spiritual gifts that the Bible lists for us. We saw just one in our Pentecost account where the Spirit temporarily equipped Christians to speak the word of God and wonderful works of what he has done in languages that they never learned. In our verses this morning, we hear of another set of spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul lists them as as a message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, heroic faith, miracle healing, power to do other miracles, prophecy, evaluation of spirits, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. As if this wasn't enough, there are three other places in the Bible that list a bunch of different spiritual gifts, and some of them have what we discussed already, what I would consider to be supernatural gifts, things that are far beyond our ability and just simply astound us to think of. But there's also spiritual gifts that are much more commonplace. Things like serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, and leading, just to name a few. Needless to say, There are many, many ways that the Holy Spirit has equipped Christians so they may serve Him and their neighbor with spiritual gifts. Gifts that He certainly equipped every Christian with, including you gathered here today. You may be wondering how has the Spirit equipped me? What are my spiritual gifts? If you're a confirmed member of Grace, you've had a chance to think about that as you filled out in your member packet a form called My Gifts for Serving the Lord. On it is a sample list of the many gifts that we regularly use here at Grace to carry out our mission statement. Things like assisting or making worship possible, teaching God's Word to others, serving those in need making conversations and befriending those who are unchurched in our community, or even something as simple as keeping this place running in a good and orderly way. I know that the Spirit has equipped you with at least some of these spiritual gifts, even if you haven't used them in the name of grace before. And as you consider how the Spirit has equipped you, do you feel at all a little jealous Jealous of how the Spirit equipped somebody else in a certain way, wishing that you were like them? Maybe you think to yourself, if only I were like so-and-so and could do this and that, then I could truly make a difference. Holy Spirit, what were you thinking when you equipped me with my gifts? And thinking such things, we so easily, we tear ourselves down to be absolutely nothing and perhaps we even doubt what the Spirit has done for us. Or as we consider our spiritual gifts, maybe we fall to the other end of the spectrum and we become prideful in what we have been blessed to do. We know what a blessing we are to God's church on earth. If it wasn't for us, well, that event would not have gone all well. Or that person who was touched with the gospel because of what we did. And so here it's easy to get a big head. Lose sight of the one who equipped us to do such things in the first place. And we take credit. That isn't even ours to take in the first place. See the Holy Spirit. He hasn't equipped us differently so we can fall in one ditch or the other. To become jealous or prideful. No. No. He equipped us so in keeping with His perfect knowledge and our eternal good as He so desires. And to know that it's the Spirit who has equipped us so as He knows best and He has planned best, well, that helps us so much because to get rid of that jealousy that we once had. If the Spirit wanted you to be like somebody else, He would have equipped you with that gift. Its absence does not mean there's something wrong with you or with the Spirit, but rather that you come with a different set of gifts than somebody else does in serving the Lord. one it's the Spirit who has equipped us rids us of our pride because we see all the great things that we have supposedly done for His church on earth and realize it wasn't me in the first place. <laughs> it's the Spirit simply working through what He gave me to do. And yes, I was a blessed participant, but let's be honest, he would have done his will regardless of me one way or the other. I just got to play along with it and to enjoy the, the fruit of the efforts along the way. But perhaps best is knowing this, knowing that it's the spirit who has equipped you. It means that there's no one quite like you. Perhaps you've heard that spoken to you in not such a nice way. But that's not how God says it to you. You're not the oddball in Christianity. Oh no, you are his child. Specialized by him to serve him just as you can. Because no one has your combination of nature and nurture. No one has your spheres of influences or circle of friends and family. No one has the skills and the spiritual gifts that you alone have. And you know how to use them. To use them for the common good. The creation and nourishment of faith through the Word of God. This was something else that those Corinthian Christians needed some education on. They knew how much the Spirit had blessed them in all sorts of different ways, but what they lacked was how to use those gifts appropriately. So rather than waste them through inaction or misuse them through selfishness, this The Apostle Paul tells them to use it for the common good. And what better good is there than sinners to confess that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and then to go serve him and their neighbor as they've been equipped by the Spirit himself? Is that common good that we also use our gifts for as well? For we know the source of our gifts, of the faith that we have, the most important gift of all, it is the Spirit, who alone has ripped us from the clutches of sin to life in Christ because of the gift of faith he's given us. And not only has he equipped us with faith, he's given us your own unique way of serving him with your various kinds of gifts, ministries, and activity. And if you find it hard to remember all the different ways you can serve the Lord. Don't be afraid. It can be hard to do some self-reflection, as all of us here can, can attest to. Talk with a friend who knows you better than you know yourself to let you know how the Lord has equipped you. Or call up the Grace Central office so you can update your form, My Gifts for Serving the Lord, and see how the Lord has blessed you to serve just the ways that we have available and normally here through here at Grace. And then use those gifts for the common good. If you're asked to serve in the name of grace or another church, take it seriously and give it give it some thoughts so you can help us carry out our mission statement. If you see something is missing or could be improved, be part of the solution and share it with your pastors or lay leaders. Consider the context that you alone have among the friends and members of grace, but also those who need to know their Savior better. Reach out to them. Share God's word with them and offer to come with them so you can grow your faith together. Look for opportunities where you can share the word of God, for it is through this that the Spirit does his wonderful work that he alone can do. And you know that you can do so because the Son has poured out his Spirit upon you for from the same source of the spirit with your differently equipped gifts that you have been given you can then work for the common good amen